0: Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of Acast Recommends. The corrupt powers that rule this nation are hard at work. They are trying to keep wages low and the rent high. They are quick to line the pockets of big businesses, but tell us they can't find a dime for the people. I understand this. I've seen the rot from the inside as a state senator, and it's ugly and widespread. On Unboss, we are working to change that. Every day on Unbossed, we are bringing you the stories that really matter. We talk about power, corruption, justice, or lack thereof, and we break this down every weekday giving you the tools to give the power back to where it belongs with the people. I'm Nina Turner and I am Unbought and Unbossed. Listen to Unbossed on Apple Podcasts. ACAST
1: helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
2: Welcome to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. Today we're talking about Mr. Mom from 1983 hi sarah hey
1: holly
2: how's it going there
1: um pretty good just um i feel like i'm being mr mom to this puppy (laughs) i'm not used to watching maybe that's it made me want to watch that movie this week (laughs) That's
2: what I'm wondering about right now.
1: (laughs) I'm in charge of taking care of something that feels very foreign to me right now. (laughs) I have to go through these routines that I'm not used to. Like Mr. Mom. So
2: what's your memory of Mr. Mom?
1: Oh my gosh. I love this movie forever. Like for as long as I can remember. (laughs) That is so cute. I mean, even as a kid... I guess as a kid, you don't really think about like the marital aspect and like the role reversal aspect, but maybe you do a little bit. Um, And I just liked the little boys in the movie. I thought they were adorable, (laughs) but they're whoopy and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it's such a cute, funny movie. (laughs) And I always liked it and I watched it again and I still like it.
2: So I saw this movie like probably nineteen eighty five or something like that, mm-hmm. at home, I watched it with my mom, and I really liked it, and I thought it was funny and goofy and cute. And I remember giggling a lot and thinking that Jack um, what's his name Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton. I kept mm-hmm. thinking Diane Keaton. <laughs> like it's not Diane Keaton. <laughs>
1: No, definitely
2: not. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking like that he was like seemed really sweet and like, oh, like, what a mm-hmm. what a sweet guy, and that, that stood out for me even then in a world of Hollywood movies where the guys are terrible even when they're <laughs> supposed to be the hero. It's true. So Mr. Mom really stood out as An actual hero, I guess, if you want to call it that.
1: That's true.
2: One of the things I learned from watching this movie as a kid with my mom is that she's uh, really a frustrated housewife who didn't want to be a housewife and really hated Carolyn, the mom in in the movie who goes to work. Mm. And I couldn't figure out why she was like constantly kind of making rude remarks about her when we were Uh watching the movie. And then when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, that totally makes sense to me because she's like a stifled career woman that never had a chance to have a career because she always had a kid to raise Uh and was from a generation where... The mom stays home and the dad goes to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was very interesting and kind of eye opening for me. But it also was an example of how, when I watched a movie that was actually really pleasant and sweet as mm-hmm. a child that there was always an, a, a comment from an adult that was, like, sarcastic and sort of, like, implying mm-hmm. that, like, this isn't real life and that, like, real life is actually really hard and shitty.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: And her her uh, terrible, you know, internalized misogynistic comments about Carolyn
1: mm-hmm.
2: affected me in the sense that it was, like, this nuisance to put up with somebody making comments while I was just trying to enjoy a sweet movie.
1: Yeah. And it
2: stood out to me um, as a kid of like an alarm bell, <laughs> like one of the first alarm bells that went off with my mom where I was like, something's very odd here
1: mm-hmm.
2: with the way that she responds to things.
1: Like, why can't she just enjoy the sweet movie?
2: Yes, Exactly. Why does everything have to be turned into something that is a concern or an anxiety?
1: Or something that, like, everything has to be a sarcastic comment because it's like, that's not real. That's not going to happen. And it's like, when you're a kid and you see these things and they all look good, you hope that they happen. (laughs) Then when you hear an adult, like, (laughs) dumping on them, you're like, oh, Okay. This seems pretty, like, normal to me, but apparently that's hard to achieve once <laughs> you're actually an adult, so what's coming up for me?
2: Exactly. Since you're being a mom, since you're a mom right now, I'm oh going to, I'll cut you a break and <laughs> I'll do the summary <laughs> today. Yeah, you did know, a good job on the summary
1: before. <laughs> oh thanks definitely (laughs) do it
2: okay so mr mom jack is he's bringing home the bacon he's an engineer Mm -hmm. he makes cars he's like i'm i'm a car maker this is what i do going to work with his boss it's the most awkward carpool because once they get there his boss who's driving them all to work fires them all Then he comes home. He's like, "Hey, I lost my job," and Carolyn, his wife, and then they have three kids, three little kids. Um, she's like, "You know what? It's totally fine. I've been thinking about going back to work." And he's like, "Let's do a bet." And she's like, "I don't bet." And he's like, "We're betting." So, guess what? Next scene, he's like, "Come on, take my hundred dollars." <laughs> he gave her a hundred to one odds. Mm -hmm. So he was going to give her $100 if she got a job first, and she was going to give him $1 if he got a job first. So that right there is, like, telling you the climate. He's an engineer. She has a degree, but she hasn't used it in, you know, what, a good eight years Mm -hmm. Um, in advertising. And she gets a job right away. Here's the thing we realize part of the reason she got the job is because her boss has romantic intentions for her. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it is that she's just totally awesome at her job. Mm -hmm. She basically single-handedly saves this guy's advertising firm because she used her invaluable experience as a home maker As in making it comfortable, secure, safe, and enticing and pleasurable to be in your home with your family. That's what Mm -hmm. she's been doing. So she's got an education that none of these advertising people have. Who, like, don't even know how to cook, probably. Because they're too busy. She She wins the hearts and minds of everybody. She's the star of the show. But then he gets his job offer back because his boss was being a schmuck and then the tv repair woman mm-hmm. and the exterminator who's afraid of bugs end up negotiating contracts
1: <laughs>
2: for <laughs> jack and carolyn at the end of the movie yes
1: yeah. That was great.
2: And Jack punches his boss in the face for talking to his kid in a very crass way. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: his wife, Carolyn, Carolyn punches her boss in the face for coming on to her in the creepiest fucking way possible. That was like some (laughs) Harvey Weinstein shit that he was trying to pull. You know? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, you're taking a bath? (laughs) I'll keep that in mind for later when I break into your hotel room. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's how did I do? Great. Does she keep her job?
1: It sounds too? like I feel like it's unclear as well, but I feel like the TV repair woman's negotiating for her. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I remember her saying was like, what if you're in the office three days and home the other two days? And then she went yeah. to work on it.
2: Yeah. So I feel and like then- she might. Yeah, I bet she negotiated it down even more.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. This was uh, written by John Hughes.
1: I know, you know, I didn't remember that at all. When I saw (laughs) his name, I was like, oh my God, another John Hughes. (laughs) But instead of being in Chicago, like all of his other movies, it was in Detroit, Motor City.
2: Also, Michael Keaton wasn't mm-hmm. he in a movie where he, like, ran a car plant, mm-hmm. car manufacturing yes. plant called, like, was it called Gung Ho? Yes. Yes. I purposely didn't look it up. I was like, I think it's called Gung Ho. I I'm just right. not going to look it up. <laughs> nice.
1: We got after this, I guess. Because this was his first, like, real starring role, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, another auto movie. In his movie before that was called Night Shift. I don't know if that was about cars too. (laughs) So he did like all (laughs) automotive movies in the beginning.
2: That on that one he's actually making cars on the assembly line on the night shift. Okay. And then he gets moved up. No, I'm just making. Oh, you're joking. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Then he becomes an engineer, and then he runs a plant in Gung Ho. (laughs) Exactly. Um, <laughs> yes. So John Hughes. Oh, my goodness. I yeah. Know.
2: So and it's interesting because, you know, the like the main obviously like the main message, like the obvious messages of this movie is that like you need to take pride in what you're doing, like mm-hmm. no matter what your job is you can have pride in it and that like these jobs that we brush aside as being like not as important are actually more important and are actually like the root of all the other things that become stable only are stable because you have these basic needs met. And a homemaker is somebody who meets your basic needs. Mm -hmm. And as we know, if your basic needs of food, shelter, water, water, and you know sex are not sex. met mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to advance in your career you're not going to be able to be a go-getter out in the world that's so a good point. these are valuable skills
1: mm-hmm. and they are skills it's not just something that's like everyone can do And he demonstrates that when it's his turn to stay home and be a homemaker. It's not easy. I think that's the assumption, like you said, like everyone underestimates them or thinks like, what? You just stay at home. What's the big deal? And it's like, it is a big deal. Yes. Like a well-oiled machine. And so when someone's running it that way, the people on the outside don't appreciate all the work that it takes because they make it look easy, Mm -hmm. but it's not. I mean, just taking care of myself and, like, adding a puppy into the mix this week has been, like, what? I don't have any time to do anything. How do people do this? If this were a child, I don't know how I could possibly be working and doing this. And it made me think about, like, single moms. Yeah. How do they do it?
2: Who work, like,
1: two jobs, three jobs. I know. What? I thought about my parents and, like, how did they both work and raise me and, like, keep things together. Yeah. Like, our house wasn't immaculate or anything, but it's, like, you can't do everything. No, you, know? you can't. That's not the most important thing.
2: Well, um, and then, you know, I had um, my dad, traditional nuclear family. My dad worked full-time. Mm-hmm. My mom was at home full-time. And she did the, all the traditional house, homemaking activities. I had that experience growing up. But, you know, she had a lot of emotional problems. And as somebody who's had a lot of emotional problems myself, I often am like, wow, how in the hell did she manage me when she was like in the depths of depression Mm -hmm. or, you know, in the grips of horrible, severe insomnia or whatever. It's like, how did she handle that? And, you know, I feel like, um, she did a lot of stuff that was really weird (laughs) and like not great for me. Uh And you know, like she, like we we were talking about of how she's like making jabs about Carolyn, like just kind of always putting like a damper on something that is very positive. But I mean, it makes sense to me why you would get that way because you're just fucking tired because Mm
1: -hmm.
2: like you can barely take care of yourself.
1: It's true. It really does make you appreciate like what our parents were able to do mm -hmm. for us. Just keeping it together is like a feat in itself. Yeah. (laughs) My parents, because a lot of times, so when I was younger, um, my mom worked nights sometimes and my dad worked during the day. And so he would be the one that was more like home with me. After school, and he would make dinner and things like that. So I was used to seeing, like, a dad taking on that role. But they kind of, like, split their responsibilities, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So she would, like, take me to school and pick me up, but then he would be home, like, making dinner and hanging out with me at night. So I was lucky to have <laughs> that. Um, Sarah's getting mauled by... The puppy right now see if i put it in the crate (laughs) crying yes i have the crate next to me Mm -hmm. i'll try it again i'm so sorry oh that's fine your plugs out of my ears
2: i mean it just it actually fits the movie so (laughs) it's okay
1: (laughs) get in there oh my god it's true it's like non-stop they need your attention This is just one tiny puppy, but he's, like, Mm -hmm. dominating my life. (laughs) I can't imagine three children. And even, like, when I had that time last year when I was just at home, like, most of the time in between gigs, you know, Mm -hmm. I had all these big plans and projects and things. And it's, like, so much of them I didn't do. And it's just easy to, like, fall into lethargy or apathy or something like that when you don't have a routine, especially if you're used to one. So like (laughs) when Jack just let the house fall to like total shit, (laughs) at first he started out like completely motivated and he was like, all right, I'm like a career man. I run things. I can do this. And then he realized like how much work it actually took to run the household and the kids. And then So, his intentions were good. He was on track. And then over time, it was just like you could see his motivation continued to slide and his appearance continued to deteriorate as well. Um, He didn't care about how he looked anymore, (laughs) which (laughs) I I mean, I would be in like pajama pants most of the day. Um, Because if you're not like forced to leave the house, or go to work you can kind of just wear whatever you want and that's mm-hmm. the routine that he fell into too and I can identify with that and then like at first when the soap opera was on Young and the Restless he was like I can't believe people actually watch this stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then within like a day or two he was like a day <laughs> just like letting his household duties fall by the wayside so that he could watch um, Victor and Nikki and the Young and the Restless Saga play out.
2: <laughs> and probably all the other soap operas. <laughs> yes, exactly. And he was ironing <laughs> the grilled cheese sandwich. And I was like, is this the first grilled cheese ironed with an iron on screen?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Beating out Benny and June.
1: Oh, they did it?
2: Yes, as the first movie that... You're ironing a grilled cheese in.
1: It seems brilliant. Why not? It's <laughs> fast.
2: Well, apparently the cheese doesn't melt all the way in the middle. Oh.
1: <laughs> I thought so- that, that was like, yeah, a great scene. <laughs> he was getting multiple things done at once.
2: But very poorly.
1: I mean, Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's a testament to how multitasking is a terrible idea.
1: <laughs> it's good if you can do it, but yeah, it's not easy to do multiple things at once. Well, I don't know. I just think this movie's so good, and it made me like really reappreciate Michael Keaton and how yes, great he is.
2: He is great in this movie. He's oh my I, gosh, it's okay, perfect. First, First of, all, I just are also I wanted to mention how much I love early eighties men's suits. <laughs> the, like the, the like from like eighty one to eighty four. Uh huh. The cut of men's suits, I think, were perfect.
1: Uh huh.
2: Also, vests are usually involved that's it's true like a full three piece suit
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's tailored it's not too tight i just think it's perfect so when i saw him in the suit I-, I was like this is the suit
1: like basic but good it doesn't have like giant shoulder pads yet and it doesn't have like that big like retro zoot suit look that the mm. 90s suits got the worst yeah <laughs> Just like a classic. (laughs) Yes. I love that all of the decor in the movie, too. Mm. Their 80s house is just, like, perfect. And her outfit when she goes back to work on the first day is just, like, perfect 80s outfit. I love it.
2: So I didn't really remember this movie very well, so I wasn't sure what the statement was gonna be because this is like a, clearly a movie that's making a statement it's called mr mom it's in the early 80s a time when people were not really sure what the hell to do with women are they are they housewives are they sluts right are they moms? Can they be all of those things? Can they Ideally, be a clear <laughs> Like like what we need to keep putting women in a box and they keep telling us that they don't want to be in a box and we're really confused about it. So I wasn't sure the way that it was gonna go. I was very relieved to find that it was basically just like at one point. Carolyn reaches the end of her rope and she comes home and she's just like, oh my God, everything is a disaster and you are not taking any pride in anything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And like, that is not how I did this. Yeah. Uh, I ran a tight ship because I'm proud of it. And it's an important job. We're raising children to be adult humans Mm -hmm. in the world. The most important job. Like I was like, whoa, (laughs) wow and then he's like oh wait right what am i doing i've been devaluing the most important job in the world which is making sure that the humans that you put on the earth are not assholes (laughs) (laughs) you know it's true yeah (laughs) so um she's also like really good at her job. And then he starts to feel neglected because she's totally focused on having the best, being the best that she can be at her job in the world, just mm-hmm. like she did when she was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. Cause she was a plus overachiever homemaker as well. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do a good job, but he's like doing a good job at home. But now he's feeling like neglected because he's in the home with children, And at one point, he's like, my brain's turning to mush. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm enjoying, like, <laughs> the five-year-old television programming that's on the TV. Like, <laughs> I need adult activity, you know. Mm-hmm. And he starts hanging out with the women in the neighborhood mm-hmm. who used to hang out with Carolyn. But now they hang out with him, and they play poker for coupons. Yeah. And... <laughs>
1: That was funny.
2: <laughs> and Joan is like trying to seduce him.
1: Yes. And Jillian.
2: Um, Yeah. <laughs> What's great about one of the things that's great about this is it gave men an opportunity to identify with their wives uh-huh. through this man, Jack, in this movie who they can identify with he's the breadwinner mm-hmm. um he's taking care of his family he's doing the right things he loves his wife they can identify with that but what they can identify with is that their wife is feeling restless and bored mm-hmm. and depressed and lethargic like doesn't like these guys like don't understand why the kids reach a certain age and the why and their wife suddenly want to go to work But then they watch this movie and they go, wait a second. I think I might get this a little bit more. I feel like I'm talking.
1: No, you're right. That's a really good point because putting it, putting a man in that spot is probably the best way to make men realize what the women have been feeling for so long.
2: And then he like, he, he feels neglected by Carolyn because she's working so much Mm -hmm. trying to just do the best she can to provide for her family, you know, to provide for them. And he understands that, but she has to go on this business trip, short notice and it's Halloween and he's really bummed about it. And they have this talk and it's the talk that you always see in the movie when the nagging wife is upset because her husband's working too hard. Mm -hmm. And the husband's like, come on, lady, just let me be. I'm providing for the family. But they're like completely emotionally absent.
1: Yeah. So
2: it took that trope and it turned it on its head. And I was like, oh, my God, how many guys saw this and realized what their wives were actually trying to say and that their Mm -hmm. wives actually weren't being nags? They were just feeling like emotionally neglected, just like Jack does when she has to run off on these business trips.
1: Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. It's true. It only took till like 1983 for someone to (laughs) figure out how to communicate this. Thank Um, you, John Hughes. (laughs) Thanks, John Hughes, for all of the 80s. What do you think about then also it like making women understand more? What their husbands were going through, too. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Right. It would work both ways.
2: And there's not any point where Carolyn apologizes. She doesn't. For working hard. She Mm -hmm. never apologizes for it. She's like, look, this is my job now. I take pride in what I do. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. There was also this scene that I thought was really funny When Jack goes to the like engineer's unemployment office, (laughs) Uh which I like the idea that there's an unemployment office specifically for engineers (laughs) and he's sitting there and these two guys are talking and they're sharing a recipe. Mm
1: hmm.
2: And they're super stoked about the recipe. And he's like, hamburger oh, my Wellington. God, I got to get <laughs> out on this Hamburger Wellington. And Jack's like, when I get back out here, I want that recipe written down, <laughs> mm-hmm. guys. <laughs> and it was it, it was totally unapologetic. There wasn't anything that was like, um, it wasn't mocking in any way of women. Mm-hmm. There, the joke was not oh, look at these guys being like women. I felt like the joke was that they were surprised at how much they were enjoying these roles that they had been trained to believe were only for women and that like you couldn't be manly if you did women's work. Mm -hmm. But these guys are seeing that like it's not women's work. It's family work. Yeah. And I just felt like that was like this weird, this movie is like this weird like uh, gender role opening
1: mm-hmm.
2: that is just being a gender role opening. There's no like uh, a ending, you know, because like I was, I guess I was afraid because I didn't remember the ending. I was afraid that it would turn into this like, oh, he's going to get his job back. And then she's going to be like, oh, finally, I can get back to being who I am as a homemaker. Because, you know, in the 70s or 60s, if they did a movie sort of like this, that, that's totally what would have happened at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. And right.
2: it would have been like, well, of course, women can do anything a man can do, but she doesn't want to. <laughs> he me- Okay, so Jack meets Joan at the grocery store. And Joan is a friend of Carolyn's from the neighborhood. And she has she's kind of got her side set on Jack mm-hmm. but to me okay I don't know if I was just sort of making this up or if it seemed like um if you thought this too but I don't I didn't take it like she wanted an actual relationship with him or anything it seemed like she just was like interested in fooling around with him physically
1: I'm not sure I was wondering about that because it's like Maybe that's it. So when they're... When he's leaving the grocery store and then Joan, who's, like, the vixen, the vamp, and the Mm -hmm. other woman who's, like, school crossing guard, like, innocent woman comes up to Joan and she's like, he's married. Mm -hmm. And Joan's like, so were we once." Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't care. And so it's like, does she think... Maybe she is thinking of just, like, trying to get another husband.
2: She wasn't trying to talk him out of his relationship with Carolyn. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem like she was just like always around there to flirt and have a good time. Yeah. She's like divorced suburban Samantha
1: from Mm -hmm. sex in the city. What the hell is
2: with people? And I'm not saying just women. I'm any people who like to pursue married people
1: yeah.
2: romantically.
1: Like married people with like three kids. Yeah. Like you're friends with the family.
2: I'm like, the only thing I can think of, and I guess I've observed, I guess that's because I've observed people like trying to do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to sab people who try to sabotage other people's romantic relationships
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: I'm like, and it's like a pattern, or something that they like get off on. Yeah. And I guess the only conclusion that I've come to from observations is that there are people that feel really low about themselves deep inside, and they need extra validation externally. And the only way that they've found to like, even partially satisfy the deep lack that they feel inside of themselves is to find somebody who's already in a relationship. The person in the relationship turns their attention to them. They can go, oh, look, I'm better than that woman. Mm. The person that's being cheated on. Right. So it's like this weird competition that the other person doesn't even know is
1: happening. (laughs) Exactly. You know? Like hunting.
2: Yes, exactly. And I've actually (laughs) seen people that seem to do this for sport. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, why don't you just wear it on your sleeve that you're like the most insecure person in any room no! and like Mm -hmm. go get therapy
1: (laughs) (laughs) like i cannot have a relationship a real one yes i'm afraid of a real one Mm -hmm. but i want something and i want to be the winner you're right because if you find it's like a victory in itself to just find someone that you can be with on your own in a relationship but then there's like an added level of victory when you're like taking them away from someone else it's like more competition Mm -hmm. and more like Validating to you, mm-hmm. even though it's terrible.
2: And then it's also like, he's like, if it's some guy that's like trying to take a wife away, say, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, oh, he's really like the husband is like re- super successful in business and has everything and is handsome, mm-hmm. right? Then that guy can go well, she's married to this super successful, handsome guy. And yet she's risking that for me. Mm -hmm. So I must be pretty goddamn special. (laughs) Does that sound right? Yeah. I see this sometimes in people and I'm just kind of flabbergasted by it. Because I'm like, okay, do you really want to be in a relationship with somebody that you got in the relationship with them by lying,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. How can you trust that person? really?
2: How can you trust yourself? Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing of it is like the lying part, right? Yeah, so I guess if you're okay with that sort of thing, then you're just okay with it. And maybe that's not like as big of an issue. Mm-hmm. um. And obviously there's, like, all kinds of reasons that people cheat, da-da-da. But right. I'm just saying if it's – and I'm not talking about people who, like, just so happen to be attracted to somebody who's married and, like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: they they find themselves in some weird obsessive pattern where they can't – where they quote-unquote can't help themselves. Yeah. And it's, like, some kind of a, you know, uh, animus trigger or whatever. Like, that sort of thing – is different than what we're talking about here. Because I've actually I knew a guy in college that always seemed to be pursuing women who already had boyfriends.
1: And just for that like added victory part of taking them away from the other guy. Like I'm better than you.
2: And the guys always happen to be like, you know, I don't know. Personally it seemed more like it was about the guys than the ladies they were with. (laughs) I don't mean in a gay way. I don't think Mm -hmm. he was gay. I just think that, like, there was something else going on and that he was actually attracted. Part of the attraction to the woman Mm
1: -hmm. was
2: actually the guy that she was with. Okay. I guess that I'm, like, equating this with. So Mm -hmm. that I can relate to. Um, Because I'm not attracted to married or, you know, I'm not attracted to people that are in relationships already. Right. Um. And if I have found myself in that situation, I'm, like, backing the fuck away very quickly.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That's appropriate.
2: Yes. (laughs) I'm not a complete asshole. (laughs) It's only, like, 50%. So (laughs) this one time I was in a vintage clothing shop. Mm -hmm. And an actor came up to me. And I thought when I saw this guy, I thought, boy, that guy looks like this actor. I'm standing there and he is like, hey, what are you up to tonight? I just told him the truth. I was like, I'm going to go home and study. And he was like, oh, you know, oh, okay. And then he like kind of walked off like perplexed. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, that was weird. And I was like, boy, that guy really looked like this actor so then i'm talking to my friend later that night and i told her what happened and she's like oh my god that was him he's in town his band what? is play- yeah his band is playing tonight she was like you could have gotten ticket like she was like freaking out
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i was like ew because
1: <laughs> i don't like it Actor with a band and he's married
2: no, he's not he's married. Fine. No, oh. that's not the point. But So this is what okay. I'm getting to with the point of my theory about what I was just talking about. Okay. So I don't like this actor.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, in fact, I find him to be incredibly repulsive. But most women really think he's hot. Or a lot of women. He's a very popular guy in some circles, right? So... I was not impressed, right? Yeah. Um, he did nothing to impress me. But here's the thing after it happened, I felt very flattered because he's a big star mm-hmm. and he dates hot women.
1: Yeah.
2: And he thought I was hot too. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm as hot as a star. In Hollywood, Uh, mm -hmm. because a big Hollywood star hit on me one time. Mm -hmm. And so that I guess that's like how I equate people who are like, into married people, not so much because of the person, but because of who they're actually with. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to say the actor's name, because I find him repulsive. And I just don't want to talk about people like that um, by name.
1: Um, I feel like he's like too pretty or something. There's something about him that's like
2: he he doesn't do it for me either. He makes my skin crawl and pretty much always.
1: (laughs) I think when that show first came out, though, when we were like super young, I was like, thought he was hot, but not now.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like as an adult, I'm like, you know, there's something. Yeah, that's cool, though. That's a good story to like make that point.
2: Cool. I'm glad you, that,
1: congratulations that that happened to you.
2: Well, you know, it actually, I got like the willies from it. So
1: <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: Um, also, I want to add, I don't think that people that are doing that are necessarily conscious of it. I really do believe that they are probably just feel like they're being led by their hearts and, oh, you know, it's just a, It's just a coincidence that the last six men I've been involved with were all married. (laughs) I just, the heart wants what it wants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so here's another thing I thought was really interesting. So whenever Jack meets Ron, his wife's boss, who is very clearly interested in his wife, He's very clearly interested in not just like a sex fling but like an actual I'm gonna fucking steal your wife Mm -hmm. and marry her (laughs) for my business. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack, immediately his first idea is to get a chainsaw (laughs) and exert his like physical prowess with machinery and like construction
1: work. Yes, because when he first arrives to pick up Carolyn, he's coming to pick her up. And then Jack looks out the window and he realizes he's in a bathrobe while this guy's coming up in like a three piece suit with the limo. And he's like, I need to up my game. I can't let this guy see me in my blue fuzzy bathrobe. <laughs> so, yeah, he immediately goes and changes into like a sleeveless shirt and denim overalls with the chainsaw <laughs> and he brings a chainsaw into the house and <laughs> <while> it's running. <laughs> Which is like the first clue that he's not used to using a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: and and Ron's immediately on to him that mm-hmm. he's not he's not a <laughs> do-it-yourself home improvement guy. No. But I thought, you know, that's a really interesting take i I, that i find men often have of where they sort of like puff up Mm -hmm. uh physically and make themselves try to look as manly as possible through their like physical achievement in some way yeah and i thought that's really interesting because that's a very active position with your body where with women it's, like, traditionally the idea of what is attractive is not how she uses her body, but how she looks in her body.
1: Yeah, it makes me think of, like, every nature show where it's just, like, the two bucks fighting over <laughs> the doe while she's just, like, quietly sitting there. Or, like, the male birds doing, like, their dance, puffing up their feathers while the woman just sitting over there, like, whatever, whichever one.
2: whoever's
1: stronger Mm -hmm. or has the prettiest feathers I'll just be here waiting yes it's very like that (laughs) I don't know I just feel like this movie is such a good example of like a marriage and a family it seems so sweet Mm -hmm. I love it
2: yeah like even when Joan is Being her most flirtatious and like literally sticking her very nice cleavage in his face. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I very much appreciate Joan's cleavage. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) That um, he looks because he's like also appreciating Joan's cleavage, Mm -hmm. but I never got the sense that he was actually really tempted.
1: Right. She's, like, throwing it out there, and then he can see what she's doing. And once he realizes what she's doing, he's like, I'm in trouble. Like, this isn't good.
2: No. And he even has a nightmare. Right. A hilarious nightmare, which (laughs) is set – it's the tone. It's set up. Everything (laughs) is directed, like, an episode of The Young and the Restless. Uh The Young and the Restless music is on in the background. (laughs) So you immediately know it's, like, a dream sequence. Mm -hmm. And – my favorite part, though, is when he gets shot by his wife, who comes in because, um, you know, Joan's, like, standing there in her negligee. This is all in the dream. And mm-hmm. so he gets shot, and then he accidentally falls next to the body outline on the carpet, instead, and, and then he moves over to fit mm-hmm. inside the body outline. <laughs> <laughs> like a like it's a stage cue Mm -hmm. and I was like that is so I don't know it's so funny like I feel like that that scene right there showed like Michael Keaton's comedic brilliance which he definitely has sometimes
1: like he does
2: yeah and it's very (laughs) subtle and Mm -hmm. um, I just I never I guess I never really was like a michael keaton fan necessarily it was sort of like sometimes i'd see him in a a movie i liked like this Mm -hmm. one and sometimes i'd see him in other movies and i was like whoa this seems super serious and then i you know so but watching him now i'm like oh my god i totally understand why people really love him
1: yes there's something about him yeah and it's like he's not obviously, like, traditionally handsome or anything like that, it's just he has, like, a good presence about him. He seems like a comforting presence, like, mm-hmm. someone that you know or that you could hang out with, mm-hmm. like, an every man.
2: Yeah. And he also has, like, a... Um, yeah. There's, like, he definitely... there. He offer He provides a sense of safety in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um that I don't often see from men in movies from 1983. So he's definitely a standout. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at one point he's just like, even, even though he thinks, so then there's of course the miscommunication where he thinks that his wife is cheating on him with Ron. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of loses his shit, you know, And um, so he like, uh, so then Jack is upset, of course, and Joan sees the opportunity right there, right? (laughs) But even still, he's like, wait a second, like, this is not I'm in love with my wife, like, even if she did cheat on me, which I think she, you know, I'm thinking right now she did. Yeah, I still can't do that to her. And I'm like, so think about all of the movies where these guys are looking for any excuse <laughs> to, like, to go at to step out on their wives, right? Uh-huh. And then you got this guy who's got, like, a legitimate, like, not excuse, but, like, definitely an understandable reason why you would, like, go ahead and cheat on your wife. Right. If you thought that she had already cheated on you, um, that... He still isn't going to do it cuz it doesn't feel right.
1: Yes. And
2: that's just like extremely refreshing.
1: It to is see it's in a so movie. beautiful. Yeah, because she's gone off to California like she had to leave on Halloween, so he was already upset about that. The kids mm-hmm. are trick-or-treating and he's like these moments go by so fast and you're going to miss it.
2: First excuse to cheat.
1: He calls cuz the boys are like, "I want to talk to Mommy." And then he's like okay so then they call the hotel room the boy little boy calls and then a man answers and it's ron the boss and then the dad calls back and he's like who is this or he's like where's my wife and he's like she's in the bath <laughs> she's in the bathtub. <laughs> so like if you call a hotel room and a man answers <sighs> and your wife is in the bathtub yeah you're gonna think that she's probably cheating oh my god And so, yeah, he lost it a little bit, but not even too bad. He, like, wouldn't answer when she tried calling back, and then he took the phone and threw it against the wall. I mean, that's understandable. But he kept it together in front of the kids and everything, so that was good. (laughs) And then he was going through all the reasons. Like, so, like you said, once Joan found out about it, because the woman who was babysitting, like, immediately went and spilled the beans to Joan And also, the woman who was babysitting is the wife from, um, to do do, National Lampoons, the Christmas Vacation, and the other ones. I think she's
2: Cousin Eddie's wife, right? You're right. She is Cousin Eddie's (laughs) wife. That's how I know her.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I just realized it this time watching it. (laughs) But um, so yeah, Joan comes over, and then she's like, "Mm, "I'm gonna jump on this opportunity while she's out of town, and I know she's cheating." And so he goes, he's going to take a shower because he's been painting and like doing all this remodeling around the house. And even when he thought she was cheating, he like went crazy and did like all this housework, like home improvement projects. So he's in the bathroom, like the shower's running and he's just like talking it through to himself. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm in trouble. I know she's out there waiting for me. And he goes to, he's like, "A, hey, you know, the kids, the kids are telling me. So he's like kind of thinking about it, but not really. And then he just goes through this whole list. And then finally he gets to like Z and he's like, <laughs> I love my wife. <laughs> so he's gone through like every scenario possible. And then he's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I love yeah. my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so nice. And then even when he comes out, like, so like the wife, Caroline, comes home while he's in the shower and sees Joan and Jillian. She's like, what are you doing in my bedroom? It looks very bad. It looks so bad. She's laying on the bed with two drinks next to her. I mean... He's in the shower, like, getting ready.
2: Also, the bedroom is completely redecorated. So imagine Mm -hmm. you walk into your house. You haven't been there for, like, a week. And you go into your bedroom. There's another woman laying on your bed Mm -hmm. next to some drinks. But also, the room doesn't look anything like your bedroom it looks completely different i mean that would be like a total mindfuck
1: that's true yeah it was all different it's from the sears safari collection
2: (laughs) (laughs) i actually really like the bedroom the way he redecorated the bedroom yeah it looks
1: pretty nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then he comes out and he thinks it's still carolyn or joan on the bed and he's like um getting ready to talk to her and then he looks up and he's like his wife on the bed and then they kind of get into it. Nothing too terrible. Well,
2: Mm -hmm. I think, I think they have like a deep fundamental understanding that like they love each other. So yeah, I got the feeling that even if they had both cheated, Mm -hmm. they would have been like, that was fucked up. Like we need to reevaluate and make sure that this doesn't happen again. And that it wouldn't be like, I don't think they would be a couple that would actually get a divorce over it. Mm Hmm.
1: Oh, Charles, how could you be so unfaithful to me? Stepping out.
2: Well, Tina, you've been so busy at work every night. I just thought she won't even notice if I step out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird. So, like, you mentioned the poker game. So that's the first time that we really see him, like, hanging out with the ladies and... Um, his wife is working like pretty late every night. She's always coming home at dark or like mm-hmm. after dinner. And then so he's just like sitting around the table, drinking a few beers with the girls in the neighborhood, gambling for coupons. And they had ordered pizza for dinner. And all the kids were over like all the women brought their kids over. So all mm-hmm. the kids were hanging out as like a play date for them, too. But then when um, Carolyn comes home and she sees it, she gets like upset. Is it because she saw, like, Joan's arm around him for a second through the window? Otherwise, I don't really see why she was upset. All the women are there. All the kids are there. It's not like he was doing anything.
2: I think she was upset because she knows Joan
1: already. Mm -hmm.
2: So she knows how Joan is because she's her friend.
1: And then so he brings – he's like, oh, I'm in trouble. Even though he hasn't even done anything wrong, really, he, like, realizes that he's in trouble, that she's upset. So he brings her pizza on, like, a tray with a rose on it and everything, trying to be super nice. But she's still upset. And then it leads to their whole discussion. I think that's the point when it Mm -hmm. leads to their whole discussion about, like, what are you even doing around here? Like, you're not taking pride. Like, the conversation you were referencing earlier where Mm -hmm. she said she takes pride in being at home and all of that, and he's not – and then – she it's so funny because she's like what are you even doing like that shirt you've been wearing it for two weeks it could walk itself to the washer and then she comments about like his weight how he's gained weight and <gasps> things like that and I was yes. just like this is such a like total role <laughs> reversal and it's funny to watch Uh
2: huh.
1: and then he's like takes a blanket and she's like where are you going and he's like I'm sleeping on the couch if I can fit my fat body through the door <laughs> and he eats a piece of pizza as he's walking out (laughs) and it's just so funny i just love it but it's like she's being pretty awful to him um but that's usually like you know yeah the role that you're hearing about the woman who's like a housewife and then she kind of like quote-unquote lets herself go because she's dealing with all the other stuff around the house and And she's had children. that happens yeah, and she's, like, put her body through having children, which is hard to recover from. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't even have that excuse.
2: <laughs> I just wanted to interject mm-hmm. that people who are fat get bullied about their weight the most by their significant mm-hmm. others and closest family members. Ooh, really? Yeah, and it's super fucked up, and people feel entitled to say make comments, controlling comments or degrading comments about somebody's, about their quote unquote loved one's weight Mm -hmm. because they're like, I'm just doing this for your health. Right. And it's like, great. So you're like verbally abusing your emotionally abusing your loved one and you're putting their body into a stress response, which is a known factor in weight gain
1: hmm <laughs> good job
2: <laughs> there's another thing in this movie that was related to being fat and it's when they're at the poker game mm-hmm. and the um they're trading coupons and somebody has a coupon annette i think says like she's like oh those some pure frozen entrees my dog wouldn't eat them And then it pans to the quote unquote fat lady, who's like really just sort of like what would be an average size today, Mm -hmm. um, saying while she's eating candy, saying, I love them. I do.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I was like, that's just like a little dog whistle dig that you don't notice if you're not fat. Mm. But I bet a lot of fat people saw that, and it hurt their feelings.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't take it that way. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it. I guess for an 80s movie, that's pretty subtle, though. Mm -hmm. By 80s movie standards, that's still sensitive.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, it's incredibly (laughs) sensitive. Mm Mm-hmm. And and also, like, I think those kinds of jokes could actually still, you could probably still get away with those kind of uh, subtle comments today. But I just started noticing what is happening when there's a fat person on the screen in a movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And what I'm noticing is that, they're generally treated in a particular way and they generally have a very similar personality that always has something to do with food. That's just yeah. an aside, but mm-hmm. um I thought I would point it out. Yes. For those people who like it when we don't like things in the movie. Right. <laughs>
1: that happens. There's not a lot in this movie that I don't like. Exactly. So that's yeah you've got to point out something. Yes. So speaking of bodies, um, Mm -hmm. the scene I remember (laughs) from childhood is when they take um, the ladies get together. He's had a rough and the ladies take him out to dinner to like comfort him. And then they rope him into going to the strip club, the male strip club. And he's so great there. Yeah, he's like totally cool with it. He gives one of
2: the dancers a dollar Mm -hmm. and then, I mean, he doesn't stick it in his g-string or anything, but Mm -hmm. he's just like, here you go. Like, you're doing a good job, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And then later we find out he give he throws, when he leaves, he throws a a piece of paper into the car with the (laughs) women and he's like, here, maybe one of you guys can use his phone number. Like the dancer Mm -hmm. gave me his phone number, but he's super chill about it. Yes. He's like, isn't that funny? The dancer gave me his number.
1: Yeah, and nothing. There was no slurs or anything terrible. It just was, and then they went yeah, on with it. Exactly. I know it's so great. Yeah. It's like 1983. Very refreshing. I know. This
2: movie still feels kind of modern.
1: Hmm. It does. I think you could totally do it now. Hmm. I mean, I don't want anyone to. Don't try no, to remake this, don't people. Do that. That's what everybody's doing. It's like, oh, that's like, it's all people do is just remake movies right now. Don't try to remake this. Just leave it be. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: okay. So, do you want to talk about the sexual harassment?
1: Oh, sure. With
2: Ron. I remembered that bath. Uh-huh. Like, she's in the bathtub and she's just relaxing. And then the next thing she knows, she hears her boss. <laughs> and he's he's like bringing in food and he's wearing like his his like smoking jacket loungewear.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: after she very clearly let him know that she was not interested in him at all
1: yes that's overstepping
2: it's really creepy
1: it's very creepy
2: and then he intentionally sabotaged because who else is calling her at the hotel, besides her husband,
1: you're right. He knew like, what he was doing, yeah,
2: he's been vying for her this whole time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The husband and the wife are both presented with um a series of scenarios that, in other films, would have led to cheating, yeah, on their partner. But in this movie, only leads them to realize they love e- how much they love each other,
1: Aww. It's so nice.
2: it's incredibly refreshing.
1: It is. Thank you for movie. picking this, yay. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome because
2: <laughs> I had no idea because I have been um completely submersed in Christmas movies, oh, yeah, <laughs> since we last spoke. In our I feel Christmas like you really turned around on that. Well, once I realized that they really don't have that much Christmas music on them. Yeah, but just to generally, and that when they do, it's usually a montage that I can mute or fast forward through. Usually, I just mute it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's fine. Wow. But but here's my here's what's happening. I'm realizing that, like, you know, when you're a little kid and they have that PG rating because Mm -hmm. all of these Christmas movies, even though they're like adults and like adults watch them, they're still PG rating. I did not grow up watching anything PG. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what I'm being offered with this Christmas movie selection is an opportunity to immerse myself in a world that is safe. Mm. And where I know that, sure, things happen that are stressful, but nothing really terrible is going to happen. It's just, like, the most stressful thing that's going to happen is that, like, you know, you don't get, like, something that you want. and But, like, nobody's going to jump out with a knife and, like, slit your throat. <laughs> You're not going to fall in love with the serial killer. Mm-hmm. You're your husband's ex lover isn't gonna kill your bunny rabbit like none (laughs) of that stuff is gonna happen and you don't even have to worry about it happening and i'm like i did not get that as a child so it's been really nice and i've just been taking i've like completely left all my sarcasm aside i even quit counting the tropes wow I'm just, like, letting myself relax.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: And taking a breath and going, the world can be safe. Mm. And, like, giving, like, my inner child that foundation back. Wow. Or not this even back, amazing. but, like, building that foundation. Because I never had it, you know? So, mm. before. um, and and then I watched. So I've I've watched like uh probably at least one Christmas movie like every day since Christmas Eve.
1: <laughs> this is so mind blowing for me. <laughs> I feel like proud, like I helped convert you a little bit. <laughs> I
2: love you it. you totally did because I was like, if Sarah's into this, I gotta check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that the advertising agency was full of jerks
1: (laughs) whenever she's doing her um, pitch to the guy for schooner tuna who is like their main client that the company's depending on and she gives them you know like like you said she uses her experience as um, a homemaker to tell him what people would really want rather than like all the gimmicky stuff he's been doing and it's to like Lower the price while people are going through a financial crisis, which was happening in the early 80s and which is happening now. When is it not happening? And it's like, whenever this crisis is over, we'll go back to our normal prices. And then it's like, schooner tuna, the tuna with a heart. And he was like, I love it. It's like so American. It's bleeding heart. That's America. And he was just like capitalizing on capitalism, I guess. (laughs) he was just like yeah americans are gonna eat this shit up basically let's exactly. do it mm-hmm. yeah
2: <laughs> how can we capitalize on people's emotional weaknesses mm-hmm. and you know it's like i listen or watch something and it's like you know especially when it's like a drama or thriller then you go to the commercials and it's like a home security commercial uh-huh. Or, like, you know, for uh, anti anxiety pills prescription <laughs> or whatever it is that I'm just, mm-hmm. or beer commercial or whatever. And it's just like, what?
1: Like they're watching, you're watching something to stress you out. And then the commercials are all for like de-stressors. Yeah. Ways to Let's, numb your stress.
2: Yeah. Let's offer you these solutions of numbing your stress so that you don't actually notice. it. And then all of the things that they're offering are devices that are just numbing agents, like mm-hmm. you said. And then you ingest those and then you don't notice how anxious you are. Right. And then you just keep doing it. And then you need more and more stimulation to get any response at all which is how you get into these deep uh, these like deeply upsetting dystopian futures that are so popular
1: yeah one other scene that i really was like uh loving in the movie this time Mm -hmm. is when he has to take the kids to school yes (laughs) and they're like you're doing it wrong and he's like what do you mean i'm just driving you to school i'm dropping you off like I run an engineering part of a <laughs> major company. I can drop some kids off at school. And then he goes in the wrong way. And the woman's like, you're doing it wrong. And then the mom is like, drop off at the North, pick up at the South asshole. Or like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting like shamed all over the place. And he just like sinks down in his seat. And it's like, I totally identify with that because after having to take my niece to school a few times, mm. it's like really intimidating. <laughs> there are like rituals that people go through and if you're not used to it and you don't know the, the rules and the mm-hmm. way that it's done, you like stand out and then the kids get embarrassed because everyone's noticing and it's just like, it's a high pressure situation. Oh, I could see that for sure. Picking up and dropping off because I've been that person that's like doing it wrong. <laughs> and then you feel like. Everyone's staring at you
2: (laughs) so like uh i think my favorite quote was when um jack was having his dream and joan came in and she's in her negligee and she's like um he he asks how joan likes his flannel which was the flannel his wife had just been uh like insulting basically and joan said let me tell you about flannel. It gets me hot. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this is my favorite quote. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love everything about, about that scene. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then, um, but the other thing is that later, um, Jack burns his flannel Mm
1: -hmm. that he
2: was wearing, you know, for two weeks straight or whatever. And he's getting his son to part with his wooby, which is his security blanket. And it was like a very clear message of like, Jack is ready to step back out into the world in the sense of like being a responsible person Mm -hmm. and like taking care of himself and feeling secure in himself. So he doesn't need his security blanket, the flannel shirt. Yeah. And, you know, and then by him being able to do that, it inspired his son to go, Well, I don't need this woobie. And I also liked (laughs) when Jack said, Talking about the woobie, your woobie's looking bad, bud. (laughs) That made me like really crack up. I was like, Perfect delivery. That whole scene was amazing. Yeah. Also, Jack invented um the first uh robot vacuum. Oh my
1: god, you're right. I took what a are- clip of that because I was gonna <laughs> post that. <laughs> nice. What are those called? The Roombas. Yeah, Roomba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He invented the first one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, yeah, because they have this big old metal vacuum that like I think everyone used to have called Jaws and now they do have a shark vacuum oh maybe they are inspired by this oh yeah yeah a big scary metal vacuum and then the kids are afraid of it and just like pets are always afraid of vacuums and then he tames Mm -hmm. it and makes it remote controlled
2: (laughs) so all of the it's like the major appliances in this movie have personalities and they (laughs) at some point Challenge Jack in mm-hmm. a in a battle of wits and strength. Yes, and you know uh, the washing machine. Oh yeah, overload when he is like a mad chemist and puts like every single thing in a cup and then <laughs> pours it into the washing machine, um, and then the washing machine like travels. they do that (laughs) because it has so many bubbles in it like Mm -hmm. okay when I was a kid that made me really scared of doing the laundry (laughs) and then um, I realized that I've always been extremely cautious about how much detergent I -hmm. use and I was like oh my god that's where because whenever (laughs) I go to do the detergent Mm -hmm. um before I started using those, like, uh, pieces of basically practically a piece of paper that you just put in your washing machine, which are good. Yeah. Um, but before I used that, you know, you'd pour the liquid. And every time I would pour the liquid, I would be like, get a little nervous.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, and the- much. yeah.
2: And then I was watching this. And I was like, oh, my God, that's where that came from.
1: That's so funny. Yeah. It imprinted on you.
2: Yeah, it really did.
1: I think of that too every time when well, I don't like think of the movie, but yeah, I'm always like, Don't put too much. Mm-hmm. But I think mine is also because I remember when we put like regular liquid dishwashing soap mm. into a dishwasher and overflowed into our friend's kitchen. Oh man. And filled the whole entire kitchen with suds. So that gets in my mind too. But yeah, it's like those are all challenges that he has to go through. It's like going through the gauntlet of the house mm-hmm. to like get dominance over the house and the appliances eventually. Oh,
2: it's like he's in a jungle. Mhm. You know how they say it's a jungle out there.
1: Oh yeah, like that's the what they said world? when she left. The little boy said that to her.
2: But it's a jungle inside. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and then also he turns the bedroom into a jungle thing. Oh,
1: you're right. <laughs> You're right. (laughs) It all comes together. (laughs) I can't remember what my favorite quote was. I'm terrible. There were just so many.
2: Yeah, there were some great ones. Like, she's not just selling tuna. She's selling America. (laughs) The Schooner tuna, which Mm -hmm. is very hard to say. Whenever they go to the boss's party... Mm -hmm. that it's, like, at the height of him feeling emasculated, like, or not, maybe not emasculated, but just, like, this boss might be a threat to my marriage. And he gets asked to be in a race. And at first you think it's, like, a serious race. They're, like, sprinting in um, flippers, Mm -hmm. uh, swim flippers. And, like, it's just, like, the goofiest race with child's toys, basically. Yeah,
1: it's like a children's birthday party kind of race.
2: Yeah, and then it's known that the boss always wins. Mm -hmm. So every year, these people have to (laughs) play a child's game and lose to the boss.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: For the boss's ego.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. To me, it, like, pointed out how a lot of times people, like, people who've had a lot of privileges, like, his dad owned the company. Like, Mm -hmm. his grandpa built the giant house that he lives in now. Like, he didn't, like, do anything on a foundational level for himself. And he's been handed everything of importance he doesn't like understand work the same mm-hmm. way that other people do. I don't know. I just thought it was. Yeah. And funny. he's
1: just used to getting everything handed to him and it's going to continue that way forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so childish. It is a child's theme to kind of game, but he still has to be the winner
2: mm-hmm.
1: because he's really just a little spoiled brat. Mm -hmm. With a mustache and an important job that was handed to him.
2: Yeah. And the other thing, you know, and back to like pride and having value and doing the best job that you can do um, in life is like he can't keep his biggest client. He messes it up. Like he Mm -hmm. he's like continually messing things up Mm
1: -hmm. because
2: he didn't have to work for it.
1: Right. And that's like
2: a theme. I feel like that's like a theme in this movie. And also just generally with John Hughes.
1: Um, it's like if you are handed a company like that and you already have all of the money, you can be put in the position of power because you have the money to hire the people that actually are doing things and running the show for you. But yeah. you can still just keep yourself like as the figurehead
0: mm-hmm. while having
1: no talent or idea what's actually going on. Right. Which is probably what was happening with him. Yeah. And then it was sweet that Jack, like, could have obviously won the race, Mm -hmm. but then he threw it so Mm -hmm. that it would not come back on his wife because she'd pay the price for it later if he actually won the race.
2: And that's really, I feel like that was, like, the first test that we really see of, like, this is where Jack can go the way of supporting his wife and their family Mm -hmm. or playing to... Making sure his ego doesn't get hurt. Right. So is he gonna pick his ego or is he gonna pick his family?
1: He picked his family. Yeah. He's so sweet. I love him. Yeah. I just have like two little things of trivia oh, that yeah. I were sweet. interesting. I love it. Um, I guess so my favorite quote was when he was just going on the rant about how he He hadn't left the house in like two weeks, and he was watching the same show as the baby. And he's like, "And I liked it, (laughs) 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 That's so funny.
2: It's
1: just so funny. Uh Um, but so this is something that I thought was interesting, and it kind of ties in with something that we've done before. But apparently, so Ron Howard was like offered to be the director, but he turned it down to direct Splash.
0: Oh,
1: and. Supposedly, Michael Keaton turned down Splash to do (gasps) this movie too.
2: Whoa. Isn't
1: that crazy?
2: (laughs) I think that movie, I think Splash would have been a lot sexier.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Michael Keaton had
1: been. It would have been a different tone Mm -hmm. in the role. Yeah. I think he was like so perfect for this. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. he chose this one. I don't know if it was like as successful Mm -hmm. box office wise as Splash, but. It's a better movie. I felt like this movie was huge. Okay, maybe it was. But I don't really remember. I don't I don't know. Anyways, those were like that's the main nice. the trivia that I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it.
2: Imagine Tom Hanks. If Tom Hanks okay. was in there's a there's a timeline where Tom Hanks is Mr. Mom and Michael Keaton is the guy in Splash.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> It would have been funny, too. Both of those would have still been good.
2: And way different.
1: And supposedly um, also Chevy Chase, Michael Douglas, Steve Martin, and John Travolta, and Robin Williams, and John Goodman were all considered for the role of Jack Butler. (laughs) What? John Travolta. But think of uh, Look Who's Talking. I guess he did like a silly movie like that. Mm -hmm. That maybe a lot of people felt generally just seeing back in the
2: day of 1983, of, like, if you were an adult in 1983, what you Mm -hmm. grew up with, your ideas implanted of the gender roles that were very strict, of being, like, the shock of seeing a guy doing these tasks and, like, being this way, like generally is probably how i would asso- i would relate that to how i would feel watching michael douglas <laughs> as mr mom mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how i'm gonna be able to relate i think that makes so, sense thanks for thanks for helping me relate to an
1: adult male in 1983 <laughs> you're welcome it's like uh gordon gecko from wall street as mr uh. mom <laughs> Um, Okay, then there's one more. Mm -hmm. Well, it says that, you know, Aaron Spelling was the producer or whatever. The guy from 90210.
2: Yeah. Hold on. I'm a huge Aaron Spelling fan.
1: He said that he hadn't found a movie that was suitable to take his children to, so they made one. Aww. Isn't that cute? That's so sweet. It's made for little Tori. Uh-huh. And then it says that uh, Burt Reynolds was considered for the role of her boss. (laughs)
2: Oh my god, I know now. See, that would have been more convincing as a threat,
1: yes, in 1983. Oh, yeah, he was in his prime, uh huh. That would be a definite threat
2: (laughs) because this guy, Ron, who the actor who plays him, he -hmm. plays a doofus a lot, right, in movies um i feel like he plays this kind of character pretty often i can't even think of anything else he's been in right now but you know i i saw him and i was like oh i know exactly who this guy's gonna be
1: yeah well i feel like he was in a lot of things but mm-hmm. i know he was on roseanne for a while
2: oh that's where i, I know, know him from sarah, sarah keeps having to take breaks to tend to <laughs> the puppy
1: because she's mr mom <laughs> so Mr. Mom right now. <laughs> Mr. Mom part two. Mr. Mom part two in the doghouse. <laughs> That's what I'm living right now. <laughs> I feel totally out of my element. Oh my god, I just got another plastic. Fork. <laughs> my aunt gave me these <laughs> to take care of like over the winter, and she had plastic forks in there to like keep the squirrels from burying their nuts in there, and then now he's pulling all the plastic forks out. <laughs> Oh my god.
2: I'm in like
1: the worst room to have a think I
2: think we need to. I'm so sorry. We need to wrap this up. Let's
1: wrap it up. (laughs) Before he ingests a fork, which is like ironic, (laughs) I guess. Okay, sorry. Oh god. Okay, great. Hello, people. And hello, people. (laughs) I apologize, anyone that's listening, for all the distractions that I've had while I'm puppy sitting. Um, and all the noises in the background, I feel like I need to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode because I really don't like distracting noises when I'm listening to podcasts. And I know there's going to be a bunch of them in here.
2: If it was I could do if we were watching any other movie, it would be unacceptable. But because we uh-huh. were watching Mr. Mom, I feel like it just added to the show.
1: It's true. <laughs> it was with the movie pretty well. It's like we're living it right now. Yes. So You should so, see this room. It looks like Mr. <laughs> Mom right now. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, I gotta go.
2: we're going to get off of here. So we'll see you next Tuesday. We'll be back with a movie. And maybe for all of you out there who like it when we don't like stuff, maybe we won't
1: like it. Yeah, let's pick one we don't like.
2: Yeah, for all you wicked listeners out there. Okay, (laughs) bye. (laughs)
0: Bye. Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of Acast Recommends. The corrupt powers that rule this nation are hard at work. They are trying to keep wages low and the rent high. They are quick to line the pockets of big businesses, but tell us they can't find a dime for the people. I understand this. I've seen the rot from the inside as a state senator, and it's ugly and widespread. On Unboss, we are working to change that. Every day on Unboss, we are bringing you the stories that really matter. We talk about power, corruption, justice, or lack thereof, and we break this down every weekday giving you the tools to give the power back to where it belongs with the people. I'm Nina Turner and I am Unbought and Unbossed. Listen to Unbossed on Apple Podcasts.
1: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.